Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Nile Nine podcast. It's myself and Andrea Cleary back once again on a summer vibe this week. Andrea, how are you? I'm good, Nile. Thank you very much. Good, good. You've been, you've been off you? jet setting. I've been jet setting for your summer. Yeah, I've been on my um my pastry tour of the Netherlands. <laughs> um, had a lovely time. Nice. I was away last week, hence why we. Uh, didn't have a podcast, but you put out the Indie Sleaze podcast I saw in my feed. I did, yes. That we did with Louise McSharry. We have so uh, many podcasts now in the bank that we can uh, do the uh, <laughs> the clip show, as it were, or mm. the replay um, aspect. Because, you know, that's the whole point of this. We're uh, like today's podcast will be a podcast you could listen to at any point um, in the last three years or the next four years, whatever it is. Uh, because this it's is what what people in the marketing world call evergreen content. Evergreen. Well, That's we're evergreen us. today. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, a genre of music called Balearic music, and I'm going to explore what that is and why I was going to. I wanted to talk about it, and I've learned a lot in the last few days about uh, Balearic music. But first, I'm going to play to set the mood. Just a little bit of a song you might. Uh, have heard before it's a song associated with the idea of Balearic music let's set the scene for a little bit this is a song called Stop by Jean by Tullio de Piscopo
So, Andrea, do you know anything about Balearic music? Not a thing, Not a thing. You're the ideal companion on this guide. Um, So, what is Balearic music? Take me on a journey. It's hard to describe and it's hard to explain, but I'm going to go through a lot of things that explain why we talk about that word. Originally, when I thought we might do an episode about Balearic music, it was because... It was summer and it was really nice out and it's been raining and lashing here the last while. So kind of feeling less summery, but still I thought it was worth doing it. The term Balearic, it originated in in Ibiza, uh, one of the Balearic Islands, probably from the summers of 1984 to 1989. It was really made a thing by one particular DJ and that was a guy called Alfredo Fiorito, who DJed at a club called Amnesia in Ibiza during the 80s. And far from um, being this, you know, house and techno super zone that uh, Ibiza has now become, back then it was a bit more innocent. It was before, you know, TV shows about lager louts on holidays were being shot in on the island or on the Balearic Islands, way before that. It was a much more innocent time. Beta as a place is a kind of an interesting, has an interesting history. Obviously, it's a, it's full of super clubs now, but right when there's a lot of people still go there. But it's maybe it's heyday and probably the most influential time was during the 80s. Our pal Kino Quivon did a, an episode about Balearic music recently and also in a way struggled to figure out exactly what it is because... For many people, uh, Balearic is kind of a shorthand for evocative music. It's uh, down-tempo, sits in Mediterranean climates, kind of chilled out, a little bit cheesy maybe, a bit sun-kissed, easy listening almost. So it's not really something that is one thing, but it's kind of like, in a way, Balearic is is a feeling. It's a sensibility. It's a a thing that happens uh, on a dance floor it's a sound that can be evoked. Kean says, if you heard Alfredo play U2s, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. At sunrise at Amnesia, it was a Balearic record. If you hear it in almost any other context, it is one of U2's biggest singles. So that's really what it's about. It's about um, context in which music is played. Here's a bit more from the revered DJ, uh, DJ Harvey, talking about Balearic music. Balearic music, okay, there, there's, um, there's, there's, um, let me think. There's some islands in the Mediterranean called the Balearic Islands, um, one of which is Ivisa. And Ivisa's been party central for about 2,000 years. Um, and um, the music which um, had become the signature sound of the, the uh, slightly more sophisticated Ibithenkan scene um, has become known as Balearic music. It's, it's hard. I, I, I suppose I could play you ten Balearic records and then maybe you'd have an idea of the, the, the vibe or the feeling. It's, it's, it's slightly softer, slightly more dreamy, again, more down-tempo, kind of Euro- European-sounding sounding dance music. But in general, um, it's music that had become popular in the Balearic Islands during the 80s. Now this has a European flavour, electronic beats, and it's a little bit cheesy, which is kind of one of the, a good ingredient towards uh, Balearic uh, music.
Okay, so that was DJ Harvey, a um, bit of a, a beat the legend himself and still a DJ going strong at this point. Um, I explain what Balearic music is. And like he said, it was popular. It's music popularized originally in uh, uh, the Balearic Islands. And uh, it's a lot about the context in which it was played. So it's not like it's a genre of music. It's about uh, uh, listening to music in that kind of context, in that kind of fancy, nice um Sunkiss place it's a it's a term i like because it encapsulates an eclectic kind of anything goes approach to djing and that's something which i have always appreciated i think a lot of people and we're all guilty of it as djs we fall into like playing the same kind of stuff all the time or sticking to a bpm or a grid and i think balearic whether it was a true accident or design or out of necessity it was something that didn't kind of uh, wasn't a slave to the rhythm necessarily. Um, it was music that could have been any sort of music, really. There was a dance music writer called Frank Chope who says, "Put it simply, it's pop music that sounds good on pills," and that's part of the reason why this has become such a revered thing. Because you had to understand Balearic music, kind of have to go back to uh, what it was, that uh, the context in which it was played. And of course, uh, like Argentinian DJ Alfredo Fiorito uh, began a residency at the Amnesia Club in 1984, just as the club got an all-night license. And it says at the same time that, are you familiar with the um, documentary on Netflix that was uh, about a cult in Ohio called uh, Wild Wild Country? Yes, yes, I've seen so, it. So, yeah, apparently that cult, was, which was the leader, was Bhagwan Sri Ragnish, a.k.a. Osho. They had outposts around the world and apparently before everything went uh, tits up there in their compound, they were basically had suitcases of ecstasy because apparently a lot of people, even though they were anti-drugs in that cult, uh, some members had started using MDMA uh, or ecstasy as part of their therapy sessions. And uh, Mm -hmm. in 1985, Bhagwan's Oregon headquarters city was shut down amid accusations of infighting and conspiracies to commit uh, bioterrorism and murder and by this time there was hundreds of these centers around the world these bagwan centers from ibiza to portland bondi to berlin many ran nightclubs and discos and staffed by uh, the people who were involved in it and either the profits were sent back to the centers or oregon uh, depending on who you talk to, were funneled back to America, possibly, but also could have just been a way to generate revenue for the people who were running these things. There is a writer called Helen Donlan who had a book on a beaten culture called Shadows Across the Moon and said that it was uh, Trudy's itinerants um, that the use of the MDMA in the Ibiza's first club phenomenon. Uh, the academic anthropologist Tony uh, Andrea uh, studied the Bagwans in Ibiza and said where they were a crucial bridge between Ibiza's 60s counterculture and 90s electronic dance subculture. Uh, in a piece in Vice magazine, D'Andrea was interviewed and said um, they introduced MDMA, to, the Bagwans introduced MDMA to Ibiza but were not alone. The gay community and hippie New Age scene and the party jet setters were also using MDMA in Ibiza around the same time. Uh, drugs were just one ancillary element of their experimental lifestyle, not just an econ- economic endeavour more often than not, um, members shared drugs for free whenever possible, which was particularly true in Ibiza. Another uh, author called Stephen Armstrong in his book, uh, The White Island, The History of, of uh, Ibiza, told Vice that uh, 
a beaten uh, Bagwans uh, took up dealing out of economic necessity when the Oregon headquarters went down and the worldwide movement crumbled. All they had was their clothes and a cupboard full of MDMA. So the idea that um, the sudden success of MDMA is down to a cult uh, collapsing in Oregon or in America is an idea that persists to this day. Very hard to quantify at the same time, mm. but at the same, it is something that is very intriguing. You know, something falls in one part of the world and something else happens in another part of the world, therefore helping to create a dance culture that uh, we still talk about now that is now a, a multi-billion dollar industry. So there's a great book called Last Night, A DJ Saved My Life, Bill Brewster and Bill Broughton. If you don't have it, it's one of those ones that you should have. Yeah, And I, I take it out and read every now and again because it's got a history of dance music from the start of whatever, the 1930s or something all the way up to present day, taken into different genres and all sorts. So a really great read. Um, And in that book, they talk about how Ibiza has always been a a place for people to seek sanctuary in many ways. It'd been a refuge for people like uh, the Romans, Arabs, the Vandals and the Catalans, uh, Jews escaping persecution, draft dodging Americans, pop star looking for a limelight free party, as well as religions and cults. Um, so as uh, they've all washed up here. Uh, before its development of a, as a tourist resort, Ibiza relied heavily on its income for the salt flats emitted the White Island. Its allure for many settlers was precisely that it was so backwards and isolated. And indeed, the airport in uh, Ibiza was only built in 1967. So it really was a far-flung place. And uh, film stars like Errol Flynn, Ursula Andress were regular visitors. Pink Floyd recorded the soundtrack to uh, Barbara Barbette Schroeder's 1969 film More on the Island. And that brought a load of more uh, counter-cultural pilgrims to those places. Um, so in a way, that kind of helps explain why Ibiza's club scene has a bit of a, a hippie roots. It has that kind of thing that's going on. It's not just uh, people flocking um, uh, commercially to an island to to take advantage of it. There is a hippie kind of dropout culture in the background, which also makes its way a lot into this story in a way because there's a lot of psychedelic rock and things like that that gets played in the early years in Ibiza. Um, also, the gay community found out there was a place that they could um, exist and, without, and hold hands without fear of assault. So in 1960, the island's the Abita's hotels reported 30,000 visitors. By 1973, the numbers have reached half a million. And it only grew from there. So back to Alfredo. Um, he is the DJ that is most associated with Balearic music. So before the UK lads on tour in Ibiza uh, were having epiphanies on the drug and became evangelists for dance music in Ibiza as a place, people who were just there who loved music and people who had discovered Ibiza as a place. There was a an unknown raver in a piece in uh, uh, Mixmag said about this time, uh, I was at Amnesia watching Alfredo play off my tits on MDMA in 1988. All I wanted to do was get everyone I'd ever met on it. I have to admit that I went a bit weird for a bit. I thought I was going to change the world, make things fairer, bring us all together for a bit. Um, so that was kind of the uh, the evangelist part of it. And then what happened was a lot of people would go in because they heard it was this amazing place and things these amazing things happened. And one of those people that was kind of instrumental in terms of the soundtrack is Alfredo. He had a knack for choosing tracks that were individually 
kind of unremarkable, but as a whole, as part of a DJ set, he weaved them together in a way that sounded like a journey, like a spectacular idea of a of a, a DJ set. So just kind of songs that shouldn't fit well together, but do. And that's often what Balearic really is referred to. He's referred to, Alfredo is referred to as the father of the Balearic beat. Uh, he was from Argentina, Argentina originally, he uh, trained to become a journalist and eventually worked as a music critic on a newspaper. Uh, but in 1976, at age 23, he emigrated to Spain before moving to Ibiza. He spent a couple of uh, years working as a candle maker, delivery driver and a fashion designer on uh, in Ibiza and working as a barman in a place called Bebop. Uh, and that bar was equipped with a couple of turntables and a mixer. And in 1982, he began DJing. And... A year later, he became a DJ at uh, Amnesia in 1983. Now, Amnesia was kind of an underground venue on the island at this time. He started in 83. It was a private party. And as first, his music sets, the sets that he actually played were kind of a mix of house, disco and pop. Uh, but they weren't well received at all. Uh, so mm. um, he persisted nevertheless. And in the next year or so, began to draw crowds to what he was doing, leading to a six year residency and a very influential uh, part of the music story in Ibiza. So what did he play? Well, Alfredo's music was eclectic and diverse and uh, he played all sorts of stuff. But I can tell you some stuff that he really enjoyed playing um, pop and soulful music from the time, a lot of stuff like uh, Sade, Talking Heads, Billy Idol, Simply Red, he really liked, Susie and the Banshees, uh, he liked European electronic music and int- industrial music in the later years from Belgium, stuff like New Beat, also loved psychedelic rock and music from the 60s and 70s, Latin grooves, reggae, Nina Simone, played a lot of Sade, but he was also known for dropping stuff like the Pink Panther theme in in a DJ set. So, you know, not something that people would do these days, And uh, but there's something about maybe the island that suggests that the Pink Panther theme. I mean, you imagine just you're, you're, at a, you're in a club and all of a sudden this comes on. Yeah, so that's Henry Mancini's Pink Panther theme, of course. But more likely than not, if you go back, there's actually a lot of recordings of his sets on YouTube. You'd hear stuff like this from Shadow. But as I said, um, Alfredo had a very eclectic mix of music that he played. And one song he played an awful lot was a song uh, called Why, a live version, actually, by a band called uh, The Wooden Top, which were kind of a punky DIY band. And this is what that sounded like.
So the Wooden Tops are actually a band from the north of England in Northampton. So not really very uh, sun-kissed or Balearic in any way, what typically people would think. But yeah, that is some examples. I'm going to play some more a bit later on, maybe some of the more obvious ones that become uh, Balearic staples since then. Uh, but yeah, there's a Alfredo playlist on Spotify at the moment if you want to uh, have a look at more of the stuff that he played. As you can hear there, he, he liked a lot of smooth jazz sax. Uh, kind of cheesy music, very melodic stuff. But I think that's what I really liked about um, DJs in that time. It's not something that is really tolerated anymore. It's like an mm. anything goes kind of feeling of you can play whatever you want. Um, and maybe at that point, because now that like DJs have access to everything that's recorded at a quick click of a button, back then, and you know what? If like I DJ uh, vinyl every now and again in bars and places like Hangdai, and sometimes it depends on literally how much you bring is depending on how much you can actually play. If you find yourself not having not brought enough music or something like that, you'll often just be like, I think I'll put on, I'll check the B side on this and just see if there's anything on this that I can play. And I think that's a lot what happened with uh, Ibiza DJs as well, because they were playing late into the night until the sunrise came up. Um, And so they needed to perform long sets and with a scarcity of records to play, they had to be resourceful. And that means really digging deep on what they already have uh, uh, and exploring mainstream albums to uncover hidden and lesser known tracks, not the the big hits of the day. And we're going to play a few more of those in a bit. Um, so kind of those songs became unique gems. There was a, a lot of kind of music from very well-known artists that were played like Queen and stuff like that, but you wouldn't have necessarily know the song unless you knew the album. Um, and yeah, that was something that uh, a guy called Jose Padilla, who was a very legendary chill-out DJ at Ibiza, uh, said uh, there was not much choice. It's not because in Ibiza we like to play like that. We have to play Talk Talk. We have to play Belgian New Beat. We have to play rock. We have to play reggae because we have to fill the space of so many hours. And that was the kind of vibe back then. And so that kind of led this uh, to this eclecticism of uh, of music at the time that became very obvious to uh, you know, people who were going there and suddenly realizing, oh, this is something that's completely different than what we're used to at home. And uh, so, yeah, that that had a lot to do with it. Yeah, I mean, not that Alfredo was the only person to play this kind of music as well. Like I said, Jose Padilla says that as well. Uh, there was a guy called Jean-Claude Maury who played in, uh, kind of cut his teeth in the 70s discos in Brussels. He brought a lot of weird electro-Belgian uh, uh, influence to with him. There was an Italian DJ in a place called Coup on Ibiza called Massimo Max Zucchelli. And he was very revered by other DJs. There was other art, other DJs like Juan Carlos, uh, Gerardo, uh, Patrick Landy. We're all mixing, matching, and cross fertilizing uh, throughout the eighties, uh, early to mid eighties specifically. There was a British guy called um, Trevor Fung who was kind of a popularized a lot of this stuff in. Um, Britain. He'd been playing Ibiza since the start of the decade and credits Juan Carlos actually as the another DJ who was playing that, a lot of that music. And then like you can see then how the influence of all that kind of stuff with um drugs, um, with MDMA suddenly becoming this and presumably it was quite strong MDMA that was uh in, in on the island at the time. So what would happen is people would go, they'd have these kind of 
amazing experiences that they weren't expecting. They would hear this music that they weren't expecting and they took that back. So I guess the idea that kind of narrative that we've heard most in terms of uh, an Irish audience is uh, the UK one and the Summer of Love, the second Summer of Love that happened in 1988, which wouldn't have happened without DJs like Alfredo on Ibiza. In September 1987, um, London Club and pirate DJs like Nicky Holloway, Paul Oakenfold, Danny Rampling and Johnny Walker had their first experiences of taking uh, ecstasy in Ibiza and hearing this kind of music. And then they went home and they started clubs and they started taking taking this idea back with them. And that happened all across Europe as well. So, so much so that in, in probably like 87, 88 was a real tectonic shift in terms of music. Uh, this because Balearic as an idea started becoming this uh, kind of conversation that was happening around the rest of Europe. Um, so that is to say, while there is no specific Balearic hits or songs, uh, it's more the idea or the feeling idea of an anything goes approach in terms of influences that happens and there is a journalist called joe muggs who says "Uh, listen now to mid 80s dj recordings and you'll see why the crowd of jet setters pop stars hippies urchins dropouts and weirdos from across europe revered alfredo and the other djs there was no technical trickery to the mixing but their pacing and choices draw you in one minute it'll be simply red and shade and you're wondering how it's different from oldies radio and then you realize you're nodding your head to something completely alien or which shouldn't make sense, but yet does. The old cliche of a DJ taking the audience on a journey is made vividly real, but it's not hypnotic electronics or slamming bass lines. It's Spandau Ballet and TV cop show themes getting you there. It doesn't matter if a track was a million seller or a mega rarity. If it fits, then it fits. So in many ways, Balearic was an attitude as well. Yeah, as an example of what was happening around Europe at that time and because of the necessity of uh, playing music, um, that you, whatever you could get your hands on. A lot of the times what would happen is that, you know, something, a DJ like Alfredo might be playing a song, they might slow it down on the record player. And uh, so there's here's an example that something that is credited with uh, emerging in uh, Belgium, as this, Belgium as this kind of new beat style, a song called A Split Second by Flesh. And uh, it's slowed down from 45 uh, RPM to 33 and pitch shifted. And it's here's the original bit, here's the original song. So yeah, you can hear it's more spacious. There's more uh, time there. It chugs along differently. Certainly the kind of music that sounds good in the sunshine and uh, um, became its own thing. So songs being played at a different uh, speed. But there was also stuff like The Trashing Doves, a song called Jesus on the Payroll that uh, Alfredo liked to play a lot. I got a mark on my head like a mark I scrub and I scrub but I
So Alfredo liked uh, all sorts of stuff and in his later years he would play a lot of music that was more traditional dance music as well. I'll give you some examples of that in a bit. But also like he played a lot of offbeat stuff like the Wooden Tops YYY, which was a song he found in Italy in a record shop. Um, he was in Madrid. He, An American dealer saw him his first house track, which was Donnie by the It on DJ International, the label. Uh, he said he went mad for that record. Uh, this is just fantastic music. So he, when he would go out, he would go and buy whatever he could find. And uh, Wooden Tops, YYY, is one of those songs that became known as a, a very Balearic song, even though there's nothing Balearic in terms of how it sounds. Um, but he bought Trashing Doves, Jesus on a Payroll, in a store in Valencia as well. So... These were records that we would play. Um, a lot of those people who went in the summer of 87 in, from the UK went home and actually started club nights called Shoom, which was Danny Rempling's thing, Future, which Paul Ogenfold ran, Trip, and Nikki Holloway. And then you're talking about how it kind of lends into the Hacienda Asset House era, which Mike Pickering and Graham Park were running uh, in terms of DJing and uh, kickstarting the UK's club culture in terms of um, the second summer of love and, and what happened after that with warehouse raves and, and being shut down illegally and all that kind of stuff. So all of this stuff is connected. And I think that's what's really interesting about it to me. And uh, and that's what I, I think for me is what, like a lot of what I love about conversations around uh, music culture and dance culture and how it works in terms of history is that people respond and they have conversations with the past and the present and different places as well, which is kind of something we don't really have as much of anymore because um, the way that it works, we can hear anything instantly. So we don't have this kind of like, <laughs> like you're um, this intrepid explorer who's gone to the Mediterranean and come back to your um, dark and desolate city and, and bring in a lot of sunshine tunes with you. So the other thing, you know, in terms of Balearic music, I'll play some examples now, but there's some compilations which you might be uh, interested in. Some, a lot of the music was vaguely psychedelic. As I, as I played the slowdown stuff there, it was kind of spacious music with beats that made its way to compilations like Balearic Beats, which was compiled by Trevor Fung, who was the DJ on Ibiza, who played a lot in during the 80s. Danny Rampling asked him to make that. So there wasn't house music necessarily. It was songs that co-opted from other genres for dance music because they sounded good. Like uh, the original guy said, it sounded good on pills at the time. Um, and what came after that, what other people might associate with um, Ibiza is a Café Del Mar, um, which is became this million-selling brand. But what Café Del Mar actually started with was a bar that opened in 1980 to play chill-out music to accompany the sunsets, and they sold food as well. I'm sure a lot of people didn't uh, eat the food there. But it did open in the 80s uh, because it was on the water and had a nice place uh, to be. And uh, so, did they serve pints of water and I'm, chewing gum? I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. But <laughs> but that's what happened with like that became synonymous with a kind of a slowed down, different kind of uh, down tempo stuff. And that's often thought of as Balearic as well because it comes from Ibiza. Mm. So here's a here's a song from the Art of Noise, which you might have heard at uh, six a.m., seven a.m. at Café del Mar during the eighties. Very chilled, very uh, down-tempo. That's a song from 1984. There's also this song, Sweet Lullaby, from Deep Forest, you might know. Sweet 
that's kind of the vibe of the Café del Mar compilations, which was, in a way, is Balearic as well. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, music would go off and traverse uh, around Europe, uh, would crop up in different uh, places and with the same kind of sensibility with Belgian New Beat, Italian Cosmic Disco, and uh, in, particularly in terms of slowing down a record, that would be something that happened. And then in the UK, the likes of Happy Mondays, Primal Scream, and The Beloved create a whole Balearic influence, indie kind of dance culture. Acts that were neither indie or dance that were uh, popular then were acts like Saint Etienne or The Grid, uh, kind of more down-tempo, emotive music. Uh, and then the success of Abita made sure that uh, what it became popularized uh, for uh, was no longer the popular sound of the day with kind of more banging trance and prog house music of the mid to late 90s mega clubs was thought of as Balearic 2. So before I play some uh, more Balearic classics. All right. So here's some more examples of uh, songs which fit the Balearic mold, uh, not necessarily as we discuss. It's a kind of a feeling. It's an idea. But these are the songs I think uh, the original idea of Balearic music is music that Alfredo would have played. So here are some examples. Um, uh, uh, one that I have a particular fondness for, uh, a song from Phil Collins called I'm Not Moving. This one might be very obvious for why it's called why it's a, a Balearic song. It's La Isla Bonita by Madonna. Also, a Cure song called The Blood, which was a Alfredo favourite. Song from La Bellini called Satan and Poi sentirmi ricadere per bruciare poi volare. Next one is a Lumo favourite by Chris Rea called Josephine. Josephine. I send you all my love. 
that's the French edit of uh, Josephine by Chris Ria. I would imagine now that would sound pretty good with the sun coming up at any time of day uh, or, or night. But uh, but yeah, particularly. And like I said, a lot of uh, album tracks and stuff uh, were kind of uh, the vibe back then in terms of tunes that became popular. Here's a Queen song called Cool Cat. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. is a song that's covered a lot by various people it's called going back to my roots this is the richie havens version which was played a lot by alfredo as well the place in my And a kind of a quieter vibe, a song from the Style Council and uh, Long Hot Summer. Now, in his later years, Alfredo would play a lot more uh, traditional house or dance music. Um, here's a couple of classics he would have played called uh, Here's Strings of Life by Derek May. And finally, we could go on for hours with this, but um, this is a final kind of dancey track that he would have played a song I love from Gat to Core called Passion the Naked Mix. Mm-hmm. 
So, in answer to the original question, I set out to uh, answer what is Balearic music. Well, I think the best term in which to, best way to think about Balearic music is it was music that uh, DJs like Alfredo on Ibiza in the 80s played. Um, it was soft, it was jazzy, it was cheesy, it was Mediterranean, it was dreamy, it was psychedelic, it was pop, it was soul, it was psychedelic rock, it was all sorts. Um, but also now it's become this other thing, and that's what happens with genres, right? They become this other thing, they become a shorthand for something else. Probably a good example of how that works is uh, if you think about, uh, there's a lot of compilations out there that have the word Balearic in it. The original one I mentioned, Balearic Beats. Um, if you're interested in uh, Keen Aquivana, who I mentioned at the top of the thing, uh, top of the podcast, has a Balearic special that he did in June, and uh, you can listen to that on SoundCloud. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Again, a lot inspired by Alfredo and uh, people's choices. A lot of stuff that we played in there uh, is in there, along with stuff like Billy Idol and the Water Boys. The Hold the Moon was another kind of tune that was played. Herb Alpert, Vangel- Vangelis, Vangelis uh, Carly Simon, stuff like that is in there. Then there's compilations uh, that I am familiar with. There's one called Ritmo Fantasia, Balearic Spanish Synth Pop, Boogie and House from 1982 to 1992. So more the Spanish flavor colleen cosmo murphy who's actually playing here saturday in hindoy uh, has a couple of volumes of a compilation called balearic breakfast so very much this kind of vibe and then uh, the balearic beats compilation which i meant but there's balearica is uh, everywhere it's uh, it's absolutely uh, it's there when you know where to look and uh, it can be felt in a uh, in Norway, in in the electronic disco scene with people like Lindstrom and Todd Terrier and uh, Todd Terrier and uh, Prince Thomas, people like that. So it's absolutely everywhere. There's a lot of uh, this music, which kind of informed Italo Disco, which is uh, one of our favorites as well. And so there's all sorts of stuff and people like DJ Harvey, who still play that kind of music. Uh, a lot and something which uh, you know um, as I'm one third of Lumo Club uh, it's something we without maybe realising we've always kind of gravitated towards it's that kind of sound it's like I love that eclecticism we've always described Lumo as a house party in a club because when we started we intended it just to be a good tunes club and not one that's like just literally uh, you know the beats but it is hard to kind of keep that and I think it's a celebration Balearic is a celebration of eclecticism and um, anything goes and and breaking the rules and I think that's can only be a good thing so that's it does that explain to you a little bit more what uh, I said tend to set out that was Balearic music that was amazing <laughs> I have I think loads of questions um, oh great about it or or, or wonderings you know um, because I think you know a, a lot of it or a lot of what you were talking about there is specifically kind of Ibiza, Ibiza kind of yeah. sound. Um, and what we kind of know about like the Ibiza sound. Um, I, I can't pronounce the name of that island. I never know whether Ibiza. to lean into the Ibiza. Z or do, or do the TH sound. Don't want to offend anybody. So I'll just yeah. avoid saying it. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess like, so the, the phrase Balearic music, I find really interesting because obviously these islands have natives. And what we're talking about here is mostly people who aren't native to the island yeah. coming to the island and playing music to people who aren't native to the island. So has there ever been like a kind of a a backlash or a conversation around like 
the the term Balearic music and how that might like take away something from like there being like you know traditional music of these islands which I can imagine with like flamenco and a different kind of Spanish uh, traditional styles of music and dance like yeah. has there ever been a kind of a, a clash there between those things or I'm sure there is that, but that because it's been there for so long but what I mean mm. one t- I went to Ibiza once and uh, as part of one of the parties that uh, uh, Seth Troxler had put on we were there with a brand uh, Absolute at the time and uh, they brought us there and it was great like because it's an expensive place to be but you funny you mentioned flamenco and uh, because uh, at one of the parties the daytime parties that he had on one of the singers from the Gypsy Kings was there and he was playing some tunes so there was kind of an effort to include some of the music he had live he lives on a, in uh, on the island mm. and uh, the singer or the guitarist from the Gypsy Kings. So there was an effort to include him in that, and uh, it was interesting to see that. And wasn't something I was expecting when I got to there. But and I'm sure there's lots of like there's parts of it though which are completely untouched by. Um, the commercialist aspect of what it's yeah. become as well. And there's people that just yeah, live there so as well. I'm curious about how, how people feel about, you know, because it's obviously a very important part of like music history and particularly like dance music history. Um, but it's sort of, you know, that the fact that there are locals on these islands that don't necessarily engage with the kind of, highly commercial or like the drug taking and all, all all of the stuff that you know a lot of us Europeans and Americans kind of know Ibiza for um and how how they how they interact I suppose not not necessarily how they feel about it but like how they interact yeah. with uh the idea of this being Balearic music if it's something that they you know accept and embrace and interact with or if it's something that they just feel like oh well that's not that's not our music it's it's kind of it's uh it's the other Ibiza do you know um yeah I'd be I'd be so interested to kind of learn learn more about that but um but also I guess my other like question or comment on it is that like what you said at the beginning about it not having a particular sound is like seems so like with the variety of the clips that you played there I'm like yeah like how how do all of these things add up to a sound or a scene um yeah and it's that thing of like the the family resemblance idea uh I think it's like a, a Wittgenstein idea of like you can have a, a a group of things together and you can cut it but you can't categorize them as having the same characteristics yeah um but you know a will share a characteristic with b and b will share a characteristic with c and like it's they're they're all together because they don't share the same characteristic but they'll each share like a little bit with one another and that's that's really really interesting because i think that that approach to dj sets is something that i'm far more interested in than uh as as opposed to like the kind of the focus on beats yeah um because i know when i was going to clubs when i was younger it was very focused on kind of just maintaining a certain B- bpm and yeah. you know keeping people dancing as quickly as possible and i know that while i was kind of going on those journeys in the club i would have really liked to have like a sort of a 
a slow down moment or yeah. you know like a bit of a chill out moment or a bit more of a focus on like the euphoric side of whatever activities you, you might be engaging in instead of just the like very well, here's, frenetic like moving your body sort of thing you yeah know? here's an argument for the extension of ireland's uh licensing hours <laughs> and the dance floor mm. uh, hours in particular the reason that a lot of this stuff that we play now on, in clubs is fast and quick is because we only have four hours to do it and people are mm. in there people are never there for the 404 hours they're there for two and a half two if you're lucky and um, three yeah. if you're even luckier so people play stuff they bang it out or whatever you want to call it they play whatever mm. they need to play to get a, a dance floor going it's not about the space and time the the our licensing yeah. laws don't allow for that and that means that's why when these places opened until uh, 8 a.m in the morning or whatever it was um and as they do now in places like berlin and ibiza where it just goes and goes and goes like mm. you have time and space to do that you have time in which to take people and i'm doing the inverted quote marks uh, on a journey um and yeah. do the things that are different to what we expect nowadays but that's what happens and especially interestingly since the pandemic there's been a much more emphasis on a higher bpm and like being faster music um mm. and maybe it's a trend and maybe and I, it's something I, that we will see reversed because now once something becomes so popular like BPMs over 130 are, are where it's at for a lot of younger people now um, because it's yeah. get in, get out, get, we're fizzy, we're doing stuff. And it could also be about the drugs they're taking as well. You know, it could be about like, yeah, if, you know, if the drugs change, ketamine the music use or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah, it could be stuff like that, that, uh, you know, make sure that the music you're listening to feels better uh, faster if you're into that mode. Mm. So, and that's just like, how it works in terms of life and how socializing and clubs and stuff people if people are are buzzing on something they might want to hear something but if they're a bit yeah more relaxed, i think that's so interesting that it's like it's it's a it's a product of our licensing laws that we have this um kind of set bpm in clubs because the dj doesn't really get a chance to do that journey if if they're no. trying to make sure that everybody that comes in is being attracted to the dance floor very quickly because if, if, if you yeah. if you don't get like if a group comes into a club and they're not attracted to the dance floor within like one or two songs and they have other clubs that they have the option to go to or they haven't paid yeah. in there or whatever it is or they could just go to the smoking area and hang out and talk to one another then they probably won't like venture onto the dance floor True. um whereas yeah. if you have the space to like of like okay we're gonna go to this club we're gonna go at this time uh we really like this dj we it's like a like a trust thing with djs mm. i I, mm. I find a lot of the time like i don't tend to go to djs that i don't know um or who i don't trust to kind of like introduce me to new music um or you know pay attention to the vibe of the room or you know try try to steer everybody in a certain direction and when I was going to clubs those kinds of DJs for me personally were kind of few and far between and that could have been you know I was going yeah. to the places that my friends wanted to go my friends might have been on a different buzz to me whatever it was but I think that the 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 idea of just slowing down a set entirely for like the Pink Panther theme tune or like you were saying, like a like a, a, a an 80s TV theme tune, something like that. Yeah. Like 
there's a lot of trust that has to exist between the Absolutely. dance floor and the DJ. And you know, if you're traveling to Ibiza and you're willing to submer- uh, like put yourself into a situation where you're like, well, I'm not going home. I'm, I'm on holidays. I've mm. spent I spent time and money and effort to be here. Then that kind of leans into that being more exploratory in terms of uh, being uh, kinder yeah. on to what is happening and maybe going, oh, well, let's see how this goes or this isn't what I normally do. I'm on mm. holidays kind of thing. And I also feel the same yeah. about DJ sets of festivals. It's, it's often such a pity that... Uh, you know, you bring in a big DJ over that people really want to see and they get to play an hour, an hour and a half. And you're like, it's not really long enough, is it? Yeah. <laughs> like an hour, an hour and a half is nothing for a DJ at all. You're like, you're yeah. only getting started and you're finished. Um, and then that no, one, I mean, well, that truncates the journey aspect of it. Yeah, that truncates the journey aspect of it where you're like, okay, now I can take it to a different place. But you don't, like, you can't really take things to a different place if you only have 90 minutes. Or worse, yeah. an hour. You're like, well, I can, I can do one thing well for an hour, or I can do, yeah, uh, and, one and thing, if you have and a then kind of a, uh, a fair weather crowd that's like coming in and out and like come c- coming along, like, oh, we'll check out what's going on, what's the vibe at this stage. But if they come in at like a part of the journey that where things are slowing down a little bit, or things are getting a bit more chill, or things are just getting a bit more strange, they mightn't necessarily feel like they want to stay there for that or yeah. they mightn't feel included in the journey and stuff which is yeah I think there's definitely something to be said for like you know go going to see a DJ in the same way that you go to see a band you know like a band does the same thing they they organize their set list so that they bring you on this journey and like something we don't do in this country is show up to the dance floor at the time when the DJ begins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think that I always think that that's such a shame. Like it's because it's kind of, it's, it, it, there's this feeling that it's quite uncool to be the first people on the dance floor. Um, yeah. Unless you're a group of girls and um, we don't care. We love it. But the, it, it is this kind of like, it's, it's God not. God bless cool. those like legends. It, it, the people that show up first. Yeah. And, and who don't yeah, go straight, like, don't go straight to the uh, smoking area. That mm, is, th- those are my favorite but, people. But we do have that culture of like, oh, we're all like, you know, the group is really excited. We're going to have free drinks at somebody's house and the DJ starts at 11. But you never show up at 11 because that's seen as being like quite an uncool thing to do. It's like, no, we'll go on time for the party. It's not cool. Yeah, yeah, and I and I I think I think that that is such a shame because you're missing, I guess you know, you know. I mean, honestly, sometimes my favorite part of the night at Lumo is the first. If you get it right, can be the first. uh, The tunes that you play, we always do a twenty minute warm up each when there's three of us, and uh, so twenty minutes each in different rotations. And sometimes that twenty minutes can be. Uh, I mean, it's a very short amount of time because it's essentially billed as a warm up or half an hour maybe each, uh, but can be great because it really is. There's no expectations on you. There's no, uh, mm. you don't have to play anything. You don't feel pressure to play any particular kind of music. Um, and you can kind of just riff. And some of my favorite like little um, kind of mini sets almost have been like these things that I've kind of just put together uh, on the fly that I'm like wow that was really good <laughs> I was really I was really happy with that and but like no one's there to hear it but like but that's when you get to play you don't, the stuff you don't, that you don't feel hear. pressure to play anything in particular what what does that pressure look like when you're 
further on into the set? Like what's, uh, a crowd what's, of people staring at, looking like? at you, dancing, right. faced at you. Okay. It's hard not sometimes so not to feel what like. What would that pressure you into doing? Would, would, would if, if you well, had like a full dance floor, would you be more you, likely to play? You always want to keep people on a dance floor, don't you? Or, it's, it's human nature, right? Mm-hmm. The, the human nature, uh, the heartbeat of a, of a party keeps the party going. And you, the last thing you want to do, that's why it's so hard to like make that decision and brave almost to be like, right, I'm going to play mm-hmm. the Pink Panther team now. No one's going to get this, but I want to mm-hmm. do something different. And that's really hard to do because it's hard because it breaks the mood. It changes the mood. And uh, mm-hmm. if you do something like that, it just changes everything. Unless you're a DJ yeah. who becomes known for that. Like a good example is uh, young Marco, the Dutch DJ. He's known for doing a lot of like dropping a lot of tracks that people are like, "Wow, that was a curveball. And like one of the things I saw mm. him do on one of the boiler rooms at once was uh, play last Christmas at Deck Mantel in, um, in a festival in August. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, a great song is a great song, even if it says Christmas in it. Um, and you can still play it. Um, but that's kind of like, See, oh, I think you, I would you respond you really that? well to that sort of risk taking. And I think that's probably because I've been on so many dance floors where you can nearly like predict what the next song is going to be or the, or, or what the next style of song is going to be. And I, I don't know. I've always, 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 even if it hasn't entirely worked for me in the moment, I've always respected a curveball. Yeah. Do you know, um, it is, and... it is something that we try to keep in mind and it's something we try to do once a night at Luma. We have Luma on the Saturday in yeah. Tengu. But it's really hard. It's, sometimes it's just not the right time, not the right place. doesn't feel like the right crowd even sometimes. And you're like, well, yeah. I don't know if this is the right thing to do. And sometimes it's easier just not to do it than to actually do it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is, it is that kind of thing. A lot of, of stuff you have to think about. Yeah, I mean, there's constantly a conversation in your head going on with what's actually happening. And then, make you know, all the other things you're like, oh, make sure you look like you're having fun. I mean, when I started DJing, people, a few people were like, you don't look happy. I was like, OK, I'm just really yeah. freaked out because I'm, you know, enjoying it, but also thinking about what's next. And and then you're like, oh, well, you kind of have to perform well, a bit as working. well. And there's. Yeah, but that's that's like DJing now is performative as well. It's like boiler room sets are like hands in the air and like leading the crowd and all that kind of stuff as well. And that's part of it. And there's nothing wrong with that either. But it's like James Murphy's a good example. He's playing all together now soon. And he's saying, like, don't come to me if you're expecting me to put my hands up in the air and, and like lead mm. you. You're coming with me because the tunes I'm playing, not because of what I look like. And um. That's one of the reasons why I think the, this Spatio club that they did, he did with uh, Solwax, uh, Too Many DJs, is a great thing because there's a de-emphasis on putting a DJ on a platform and just being in the room. And I always liked that. And that was one of the, I'd love to have a venue where the DJ was just in a little spaceship or a little, uh, like there's just a little crack where you can see the DJ's head so you know that they're there, but you don't have to see mm. them. Um because that's part of, you know, what it is. People are looking at you instead of looking with their, yeah. at their friends or dancing in a room um, facing one direction. There's no reason for that when it's a DJ, really, because if the DJ can't be seen half the time or is there's uh, smoke and mirrors and lights and whatever else. But mm. um, And that's what Dispatio did so well, because it was like the DJ is over there. They're not promoting themselves visibly. They are there. Mm. You can see them. But they are behind a, 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 
I guess they're in a booth basically, but um, the yeah. focus was on this big dance floor, which is surrounded by sound systems uh, or speakers, which are Macintosh speakers, which are ultra powered, ultra high powered. And, and the difference there that year when it was at electric picnic, I think it was 2015, um, people were just dancing in the room together. They weren't mm-hmm. dancing at the DJ. They weren't looking at the DJ to, for the cue of what's next. They were just listening yeah. to the music and enjoying the I find the that really interesting because I often, I, I like to have the DJ, I, I like to have a kind of like, the, the DJ to me is kind of like the North Star. Like if you're, if you're dancing and you're kind of in your zone or you're dancing with your friends or whatever, it is good sometimes to break out of whatever circle you're in or whatever way you are kind of in your head with the music to kind of break out of it look towards the dj like either in recognition of a really good song choice or just like a thank you or just as a way to kind of orient yourself and kind of um like center yourself or ground yourself in in the fact that this music is being curated for you and performed yeah but I suppose that that's probably that's just me as like a as like a club goer I like to have the DJ to look at because often there's stuff going on in the club that like might be distracting me from the music or you know, some guys in your ear trying to talk to you while you're trying to listen to music or something. So yeah. I always find it really nice to have the DJ to look at. But I I also definitely respect um, the idea that not all DJs will want to be performers. Um, I know we're getting way off topic with like, no, but music, I mean, but I'm, I'm so interested in, in, in DJs as performers. And like, I read a lot about women DJs and, um, and how the performance of, you know their gender is so much a part of um yeah what the performance that they're you know taking part in is made up of and things like that so yeah and like and that's something that you see like you know with daft punk with the with the helmets and you see like with dead mouse with the big helmet and stuff and the 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 dj as someone that's kind of a little bit removed a little bit like you 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 said their spaceship you know like there is this sort of idea of the dj being this like extraterrestrial person who like comes in peace with tunes and (laughs) and wants to bring you on like this psychedelic cosmic journey and stuff and i and i love that um but i do think it is nice to kind of like have somewhere to look (laughs) yeah well you know i mean if you think about it like we live in a country which doesn't really have um proper nightclubs built for purpose anymore Mm. and what that means is that like our our parties take place in japanese restaurants and uh uh, places like traditional venues with high-rise stages and stuff like that so Mm. that's what happens um or repurposed venues that work in a different way uh, than maybe if they were designed from the ground up so it's a big factor and i think it's a big factor here we don't have any of those clubs yeah like this week there's been uh, some announcements that are relating to the nighttime economy in ireland uh, about noise reduction for venues again it's it's an important thing but it's also like basically a fund available to venues for the mitigation of uh, sound and issues around sound which a lot of the clubs in the city in dublin city have because they 
even though they might have been there first or whatever there's a lot of people that live in the city but like i don't know mm. if it's fair that if you lived in the city your entire life or you've suddenly moved in you're suddenly given out a venue in the middle of dublin city you know um but anyway that is there there's a noise reduction fund available to two million in total um which seventy thousand uh, per venue now from an ideal perspective what you would want is the venue uh built from the ground up um with reduced uh licensing fees that were due to be brought in which they probably won't be brought in this year by the irish government but the uh the task uh, nighttime uh, economy task fa- task force report and the indication from the go- Irish government says that they were want to do these things but they'll need to do it uh, the agent of change initiatives and stuff so some of these things are in that the nighttime economy advisors are being established or have started to be established around the country in six cities and towns in Ireland uh, arts and cultural spaces is a fund there for the proliferation or, or um, platforming of electronic or, or contemporary folk music uh, through an 800,000 uh, fund as well. So those kind of cultural spaces can access these. But again, what we're still missing is the ability to be able to create uh, these ideal nightclubs and uh, mm-hmm. um, to grow the actual industry and not just uh, grow it out of uh, so things that are fit for purpose um, or from the start so yeah i think it's all part of that as well and and if we had longer opening hours and uh longer into the night uh, places that could open late you could have Public less bottlenecks transport. less pressure yeah, less pressure yeah less costs then maybe that would actually have the creativity and the actual color of the music that is played mm-hmm. and the way that is played and the sensibilities and things and maybe we kick yeah. it back to doing stuff that would be in the spirit of Balearic music and uh, Alfredo as well so yeah that's yeah. kind of uh, all of that so let's say I think the reason why I first decided to think about uh, Balearic music was I referenced Balearic in the context of the new Peggy Goo song um, because I was like this is very Balearic and that was me kind of engaging with you know what does that mean I'm like why am I saying Mm. that and like here's a bit of this song here I don't know. I think it's just it's one of those things where you're like, um, oh, it's it's vaguely sun-kissed and, you know, sounds good in the summer and stuff like that. So I don't know if that's literally it. But Balearic, that's what I thought Balearic was, was like something music that sounds good in the sunshine almost. But then <laughs> music that sounds good in the sunshine often for me is stuff like Tribe Called Quest and things like that. So it's not like one music either. So that's, I mean, that maybe Tribe Called Quest is Balearic too. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, if you like what you heard on this podcast, it's patreon.com forward slash 909 if you want to support us. Uh, loads of things happen in there, as we say all the time. Discord is a... We had the biggest week in Discord uh, possibly ever, uh, <laughs> which included uh, the Music League. Uh, we had a Music League, which uh, was very controversial. It was uh, about... I was absent from the Music oh, League last week. My God. And my God. I was just looking through the comments. People were... It was Going insane. Nuts. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, everybody was tasked with picking a song, a good song from a bad artist, and some of the choices, mm. let me say, were very controversial. Very. Controversial. What was your choice? Um, mine was Calvin Harris and uh, featuring 
uh, Frank Ocean uh, slide, which in retrospect is not fair because, like, actually, while I don't really like Calvin Harris, he has loads of good oh, tunes. Got... Fairness to him, yeah, yeah. It's not bad. And I was going to pick. I was. Yeah, I was originally I... going to pick David Guetta uh, and Sia's Titanium, and I was like, that's a good song. Um, that is but good you know song. what? I just, like, the more I thought had... of it. Sia had Chandelier, which is a great song. Yeah, but I was thinking more of Dave Guetta than than Sia, so it was like just ah, one. Okay. But you're kind of cheating me in a way if you if you pick two artists or three artists like mm. Eagles or on the slide song as well. I think it's just a really tough one. Um, and yeah. a lot of times you're trying to. Someone avoid asked me for mine is. because I I was absent because I was away. Yeah, yeah. Someone asked me what for mine, yours? and I said uh, "Golden Touch" by Razorlight. Oh yeah, a, I, yeah. Okay. I think a really good song um, from a truly truly horrendous band um but i'll always defend that song I it's a tough it's a one song. but it's like yeah it's it so is subjective hard. isn't it it's so subjective yeah. like let's have a look yeah. at like some of the some of the songs like so uh there was a there was a chaos merchant in in the league who i won't name but who picked uh the sugar babes who got zero points the way it works so you get 10 what? every every person gets a uh 10 what points song? award uh, push it, but push the button. <laughs> sorry, uh, very angry uh, about that. Like a lot of people very angry about that. It's I not know, even the best Sugar Babe song. Yeah, I know, I know. That's madness. listen. That happened a few times. There was also Kings of Leon was in there, but it was like Beautiful War wasn't any of the other songs that people know. Uh, the weekend madness. was a choice. Uh, the thing things. Uh, Hollaback Girl by Gwen Stefani. I was like, no, she has other songs. But you know, uh, fairness, no, she cool. she, I wouldn't. She's kind of a bad artist. She's kind of mostly a bad artist if you think about it. Based off, Cool is a great output. song. That's what I would have put forward for her. She her has three cool. or four like good songs, so yeah. that kind of doesn't really work. Uh, very yeah. tough. But if you have suggestions for an artist who has one good song and the rest of it is terrible, I'd love to hear from it, from you and what that is. If Maybe you we could do Discord, an episode on it. Patreon.com. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, okay, we're going to have to put the thinking caps on for that one. But the, uh, yeah, the song that so. won the fluke... Episode. Yeah, the song that won the fluke best songs by otherwise bad artists was Two Princes by Spin Doctors, which I think is a bit more of a one-hit wonder as opposed to... I uh, hate that song. A tr- yeah, well, that's fair too. Uh more of a one-hit wonder for me, though. Uh, Dakota by Stereophonics was a good shout, I thought, maybe. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But I, then mm, it depends. I, and like, if I don't you think up, it's a good song, though. Yeah, but we'll see. This is the thing. This I think thing. Stere- Stereophonics is kind of it, it, like one of those ideal bands for something. Like, if you could find a good Stereophonics song to submit for that round, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. 100%. Like, yeah. That's why, that's why I think my Razor Light shout is is a good one because well, they're not only a bad yeah. band they're kind of renowned for being a bad band but their first song, yeah, like, that's was, that's I the ideal situation isn't it a, ba- yeah, a band yeah, that yeah. accidentally wrote a good song but the rest of it is mm. just uh, yeah included to be terrible uh, okay uh well that's it from us this week um we aren't here next week because i'm uh, away uh, it's it's summertime. It's July. I might i might put up a, an L replay for next week as well but yeah, in the meantime the yeah, why not? In the meantime, thanks for listening and thanks, Andrea, for listening to me drawing on about Balearic music. And uh, I we will enjoyed talk to it. You. Thank you for bringing me on this journey, Niall. Sure, sure. We Bye. talk to you in August. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.